Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners, podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, but I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's probably something much deeper that you're not likely even aware of yet. It's like a client that comes to you saying that they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGuru's Agency Freedom Session, where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your agency freedom session today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are hanging out with Anna Maria Rains. She is a entrepreneur, digital marketing expert, and CEO and founder of Simplified Impact, a growth marketing agency for B2B companies. She was a co-founder of the internet fashion startup Smart is Cool, where she was responsible for social media. And while working at Smart is Cool, she was featured in Glamour magazine. Anna Maria has also worked with lots of amazing clients like HSN, Wendy Williams, the football legend Carl Banks, iHip for Snooki, East Bay, Aer Lingus, Sky Mall, and many, many more. Anna, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, what got you into uh, the agency world? What kind of got your start? Oh, my goodness. Um, You know, I actually have a fashion background. My degree is in fashion. And that's where I went to Smart is Cool was a fashion company at first. We were in 250 boutiques. From there, it became more like a girls movement. And MySpace was the big thing and quickly became, you know, came Facebook. But we had like a, a crazy MySpace following. And that's honestly where it all started was like people were doing blogs on, oh gosh, if I can't remember, type something. It, it was like pre-real blog time and Netscape was still, I mean, this is a long time ago. Yeah. Um, my, MySpace. I, can we just, can we just hang out in MySpace for a little bit? Can we just kind of like talk about that whole thing? Talk about Tom. Like, yeah. Tom, right. Like Tom. customizable pages. Um, you know, uh, yeah. everybody can design the UI of, of, uh, of, of a platform. It seemed like a good idea at the time. It was, it was kind of interesting and unique, but, uh, Maybe we need, uh, in in these COVID times, maybe we could use a little bit more MySpace, right? Uh, Yeah, it was, you know, it was fun. It was, that's what it was. And I was pretty young and, you know, I was like, well, I can do this and I can figure it out. And I did, I figured it was back in the days where everybody was doing the same. Anyone who was interested in that kind of like technology, what was happening, you know, post nineties, like internet meltdown where people were like, you know, we could do this. Like, let's, let's bring it back and let's build and I can code and I can teach myself. And it was just the wild, wild west. And it was 
so much fun. And that's how I learned. I just, I went from a fashion because I knew Adobe products very well. I was able to move to like Adobe Dreamweaver and then eventually teach myself. And from there, just kind of like, you know, wild, wild west did it until I did become pretty proficient and uh, started working at a hospitality group first with some really great chefs. And then from there, went to work at some agencies, one in Boston and then one in New York. So that is, you know, in a nutshell, how it happened. So your agency today, Simplified Impact, can you paint us a picture of what that, you know, what, what you do, who your ideal client is, how many people you have, uh, your, your unique genius? Yeah. So um, Simplified Impact, it actually started really with entrepreneurs. I've always had an interest with small businesses. And then we slowly moved into more of the B2B space. That's where we really excel. Before I left my last agency, I had grown a department content marketing that really focused on the B2B space, very niche down. So aerospace mostly, which is unlike where I started. I really started because I came from fashion. I did move into more of a fashion e-com and from just moving in departments within an agency, I ended up like really loving content marketing and growing a department for B2B where I did aerospace medical cybersecurity. And that's what my agency has morphed and looks like today. Our clients are mostly niche B2B businesses that are in uh, industrial engineering or medical. We have some cyberspace clients. We have, you know, a lot of manufacturing. And I love it because I get to bring so much more flair and different thinking to these companies that sometimes are more structural about how they approach marketing. And we get to think outside of the box, which is exciting for them. And the results are great. I mean, we we do a really great job for our clients. And we have right now five full-time people on our team. So... So, so you bring flair to industrial engineering companies. Uh, yeah. can, can you give us an example of how you... Yeah, I mean, that sounds very interesting, right? You've got a very kind of like manufacturing, industrial engineering, and then and then you're using words like flair to describe your work. So how does that happen? Uh, you know, I think it's in the... So we do everything. We approach it more from a growth agency perspective rather than, you know, we're coming in and doing your like your SEO or this and that. We look at the company as a whole and because of the markets that we focus on, we really understand how to grow them. So it comes from having forward-thinking design, redoing their website with more of looking at like, okay, like I said, like Apple-esque, we use that a lot. I know it's not a word, but like an Apple, I don't know, like apple.com approach where it's simplified, it's beautiful, it's easy on the eyes. The information is easy to understand and to consume. We're working with clients that have very complicated sales funnel and they tend to sell things that you know have all these like big words. So how do we make it simpler? So the person that's coming on feels like they're being walked through their funnel with a salesperson that's hand-holding them. That's really... So how, how do we create that? And I think Apple does that really well. You know, it's almost like you walked into the Genius Bar and they're walking you through and they're showing you and, you know, these big fonts. And it's just a really pleasant experience 
we do that for our clients. Um, I don't know if you know much about like niche B2B, especially manufacturing. I mean, some of these sites, whoa. Because I mean, when, when I hear you, you know, say, you know, Industrial engineering, or in the did you say cybersecurity or cyber cybersecurity? Uh, cybersecurity, yep. cyber <laughs> and I understand what you're saying about having more complex sales cycles. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm an industrial engineering company. My website is probably going to be built by some engineer within the company, or guided through this very kind of, you know, maybe less of uh, the experience that they actually that a salesperson at that company might take somebody through. I can imagine that those sites could become big and tech heavy and fact finder versus really focused on what does it take for us to to sell somebody without having a person present? Well, how, how do we do that through a funnel or a page? So I can definitely imagine what that looks like. Yeah, that becomes an issue when, and it's funny you say that, when we're working with the engineering team, as opposed to either someone in leadership or marketing, so leadership, you know, either being the VP or, you know, CEO, sometimes we work directly, although the companies can be big, so they don't tend to have very big teams. So big in, you know, revenue is what I mean. So whenever we worked with an engineer, it like, they want all the technicals and we're, you know, we just, try to explain to them, you don't want to confuse people. You know, they're not interested. Really great example that we usually use from, you know, one of the agencies I worked at where we had Shark as um, a client, you know, Shark the Vacuum is like, one of the things that was really important to the CEO of Shark was that it made certain noises and certain, you know, that the vacuum, it made you feel like you were vacuuming something. Like you heard the dirt going in. And when they sold it and when they were explaining, that was what was important to them. Like who cares about the blah, blah, you know, engine, you know, fan. Nobody cares about that. Like, do I feel like my dirt is being picked up? Yes. Okay. Then this is doing the job because that's what the consumer wants to hear, right? A lot of times, you know, even though it's engineer to engineer, depending on the level that you're speaking to, if you're speaking to someone from procurement, and I don't want to get too technical because it just, how can we simplify things for everybody? And I think that's what we try to bring to the table, hence our name, Simplified Impact. But it's about that. It's about making it easy for someone to get through your funnel. And many times, some of these companies just tend to complicate it. So, yeah. I, I have a shark vacuum. And now, like immediately when I finish this interview, I'm going to go like turn it on. And I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to run and be like, "Do I feel like there's dirt going in?" Because yeah, I actually, uh, yeah, <laughs> I used to do a lot of uh, Vistage trainings. I don't know if you know uh-huh. Vistage. Yeah, so a lot of the shark people used to attend, and we would talk about that a lot. So yeah, that's cool. <laughs> how have your clients, or maybe even your how how have you been adjusting to? kind of the current uh, crisis for your agency? I have to tell you, knock on like all the wood that I can find. We are so busy, I think because of the fields that we're in. So, you know, cybersecurity has obviously had an uptick because people are now on their home networks. So that's really important. And people are more concerned, especially, you know, mid to large businesses about having all these people now at home, you know, and not being on a secured network. 
We have people in medical. So especially dealing with hospitals that most of their clients are hospital-based. So we haven't really seen a downturn effect. I guess the the only thing is that we're all working, you know, slightly different. I have an office, so my team is now all home, but we, we did tend to go remote often. So it's not, it's not very different. I think what we've changed is our approach and how we communicate with our audience, right? More respectful, more forefront with understanding and saying, yep, we hear you. We know this is happening and we are here to help you. I guess in the same way you're seeing all the big brands do it and checking in more. There's a lot more that is happening, um, I would say, offline, where we were having a lot of conversation through email, a lot of conversation through chat. We're picking up the phone, you know, where our clients are really engaging directly with their customers and having that one-on-one touch point just to say, because, you know, it's really not sensitive to say, hey, we're here for you in an email than to, you know, really call people and and just stay in touch and and create that community vibe. A lot of my clients, especially in the B2B space, are used to having that direct communication in trade shows. We actually just had a meeting this morning about, you know, what are we going to do with the trade show money? And the trade shows are are also thinking like, well, what are you going to do now? Like a lot of them have to are under contract are going to have to give refunds. So how do we create those experiences? And a lot of these trade shows are going to um, a more virtual trade show. So even that is not going to be as direct. So that's why we're taking a lot of the conversations and having you know communications like either through a Zoom or on the phone. So that's different. I would say that's really different. And I think that will continue. But as far as how it, you know, a negative impact on the business, it hasn't had one. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast. If you're looking for a new CMS that can launch sites in half the time as a typical WordPress build, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more information at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. It's really interesting. I feel like there's been this kind of a, a niche lottery, so to speak, of kind of this very uh, arbitrary in a way. I mean, obviously, from the, the virus standpoint, it's it's a... You know, it's something, anything that's related to like people being close to one another. You mentioned trade shows or, you know, events, Mm -hmm. restaurants, uh, you know, entertainment, you know, the touch-based businesses like massage and fitness and and those types of things, right? Like, you know, anybody that works or is is working with those, they're either experiencing a a sharp downturn or they're experiencing in some ways like an uptick in digital type demand because of helping people launch, you know, courses and stuff like that. So that's cool to hear that at least on the demand side, you, you, for, you know, you've been, um, you're in more demand now than ever. Uh, but I think I like to hear that you're, how you're communicating with your clients or how you're engaging with them is, uh, is, is changing or maybe it's going back to, you know, more, more of those back to basics. Yeah. I think there's a lot of back to basics. I think, honestly, I think that's what this has done. Even if you're not like, 
in all aspects of my life. I am back to basics. I'm like, I'm homeschooling. That's like as a basic as it gets. You know what I mean? Like my sister-in-law lives on a 30 acre farm in Vermont and she homeschools and has livestock and, you know, and like she couldn't be more set. It's like <laughs> the more back to basics your lifestyle is, the more you're like, oh, okay. I'm, I was made for this. Yeah. Not so, a lot of change for her. Right. Cause no. like, <laughs> Okay, no. you know, homeschooling, right? Yeah. But uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't know how old uh, your uh, kiddo is, but we've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And, you know, I mean, my wife was working before this and, you know, I've kind of been more focused on, uh, she actually works for this business and does some marketing management stuff. And that's been a hard thing. I mean, how have you been dealing with that as as mom? I mean, how do you, how do you balance that right now? Oh, there's no balance. It, you know, I heard a really amazing quote once from this powerhouse woman who worked and had children. And she said, my life is perfectly in balance. And I think I really had to step into that. There was a couple of weeks that I was panicked. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like the, either the worst, you know, I'm either being a really bad boss, you know, on this day or a really bad teacher. And I just kind of like let it all go. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to just tend to what is immediate and do the best that I can. I'm putting in extra hours, obviously, but it's just, yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know. My child pretty much comes to every meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, this, this CEO said that her life was perfectly in balance. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Geraldine Layborn, she started the oxygen network with um, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, she's big time. She was one of the uh, founders of Nickelodeon. She took Nickelodeon from a nonprofit to a for-profit. She, I mean, she's huge. And she was always asked that. And she always said, no, my life is perfectly imbalanced. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. I don't know. We could, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like there's, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the reality is it's messy. I mean, it was messy before and now it's super messy. And, you know, I mean, one thing that we've been telling our clients is like, just try to find some bright spots here and there, you know, try to keep, you know, you're going to be probably working harder, uh, whether you are directly impacted on your client side or, but they're going to probably want more from you because there's probably other people out there that are now available, right. Um, might be willing to do more for less, which means that I think competition is going to be going up in all markets, right. If all of a sudden you have, you know, 30% of agencies have lost some or all of their clients. I mean, they're going to be going, I mean, there's, there's going to be kind of this dazed and confused of like, oh, wow. Like I just, you know, 10 of my restaurant clients canceled and then, okay, who, who does have money? Right. I mean, I think there's going to be a, a rush to the markets that people um, are continuing to spend in, in the, in the middle, you know, in the medium term, which means yeah. there's probably going to be some, some challenges for people to stay competitive. I think so. I think so. But I, um, people are creative. Um, and I think, you know, I was just in a mastermind yesterday of some people that are in, you know, that's their niche are restaurants in agencies and they're getting really creative. Like they're working with the vendors and they're working with different people. I think, I don't know, I tend to be really optimistic maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You're catching me in a good week. Maybe if we had this call last week and I was like completely melting, I'd be like, ah, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think it's good to be that good to be optimistic. And I think it's, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's like, it's like toting this line between like kind of what, what some people are experiencing in reality and also having an optimistic vision of, of the future. And I do think there's, you know, we even saw some local restaurants that, you know, shut down temporarily and then have, you know, probably realized, oh, wow, we need to, we need to 
figure this out. This isn't going away tomorrow. So uh, we've seen them come back open with kind of different models, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I have a friend uh, and I don't want to get too off topic, but they, he has a fishing, a commercial fishing business and he sells to the restaurants and, you know, quickly went online, put up a page, uh, started to do Facebook posts, you know, and talking to everybody and letting them know, like, you know, we'll deliver to your home. Here's how you can buy. And his business has been like, it's sustaining like the same revenue he's had, you know, he's having like 70 to hundred deliveries a day around, you know, our, around the state. That's incredible. It's just, I think you just have to be like, think fast. It really forces you to, and this is something I was saying to somebody else. This has forced myself and I don't know other people to look at how I spend my time and just be really, really cautious about how every single hour spent, including what parts of those hours am I dedicating to my daughter who's going to remember this time like, oh, mommy, you know, completely ignored me and I, or, you know, we did have some like really bright and light and beautiful moments. So including that, you know, how do I fit that into so that I'm, I I am a good mom and I do leave a good impression and I'm a, a great boss and a great, I'm serving my clients well, but there's there's some things that aren't going to get done. But maybe those are things that after this, I look at and say, how important were they? And are those things that now I need to stop? And maybe I had a little bit more time before or my time was more frivolous. And how do I take that back? And what do I do with that? You know, so. Yeah, it's really cool. I feel like I get the impression that you are very client-centric business that you, uh, you know, really focus on, on serving your clients and how to help them achieve their goals. I mean, what are, what are some of the things that you have learned over the years that have worked well for you in terms of retaining clients, getting clients to invest more with what you all do, and, uh, and also even to get some of those clients that you have? Because you've got some pretty big name clients on your, on your roster. Yeah, you know, we are very, very client-centered very client focused. I think that the two things that make us, we have a very low churn rate and help us keep our client year, our clients year after year and add more is one, we're available. We're very available and not to a point where, you know, it's like intrusive. Our clients are respectful, but we are very available. Uh, and the second thing is analytics. I think the numbers are so important and we, you know, just delivering those numbers, explaining them. And even when someone... So I have clients that are like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I don't understand like what you're trying to present to me. We don't have a one-size-fits-all report like some people may have. And yeah, that makes it really easy. What happens is that there's a lot of people that are left like lost in the sauce and we can't have that. So we make sure that our clients and everybody who is either an influencer to the decision of keeping us. So, you know, there are people that work within the company on the marketing team. And then there are like the decision makers themselves that everybody understands all of the numbers, how they happened, why. And we reiterate and we talk through them. And and there's a lot of times where they'll look at them and and you think they understand, but like we really... If they're not asking questions, if they're not questioning why this number, they don't understand it. They haven't understood it and and we need to do a better job. And we just go in and refine and refine until they're asking us questions, then we know that they get it. And that's super important to us is 
those numbers and the reporting. And all of our reports, I wouldn't say all, but most look different because I just, you know, people are different and they consume data differently. And data can be, you know, confusing for some. So that would, I think that's what really stands out for us. Yeah. So be, you're, you're available and then you also, you kind of focus on the numbers. You kind of focus on the numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I assume those numbers in, in terms of what you're reporting is specific to those clients' objectives, kind of what's important to them, or I mean, what are some of the common goals that you yeah, so, have that your um, clients are looking for? Yep. They're looking for, exactly, uh, leads generated. So most of B2Bs, you know, uh, it's, is about a lead acquisition. The other thing that we do that we started to do is closing the loop. So we go inside of the client CRM. So we'll use a, you know whatever CRM that has some marketing component, whether it's a HubSpot or what have you. You know sometimes they they have a custom, and then we'll go in and we literally would go in to see what their sales team has been doing, and we haven't had any pushback yet from this. And we ask for to be admitted into like whatever the sales team uses. And we check up on the sales team and we see well, what do they do with those leads and how do they follow up and what was the messaging and you know what was the interaction and how did it close? How did it move through the funnel once it left us? And you know why didn't it close and what happened here? So we've been closing that loop and that has made a huge difference to help us understand how do we drive better leads and also to help the client understand like, you know, how are you know your salespeople? And it's not to like point fingers, but it's like, okay, how do we train better? Or how do we do the handoff better? Because we want to make sure that those leads close. It's not just about driving leads. It's about making sales. At the end of the day, if the company doesn't have revenue, they don't have money to pay us. So it's important for us to make sure that the salespeople are successful, that it doesn't just end with us and that qualified lead. It has to end in a sale. And even if it's a you know more of a long-term lead, um, which we have a lot in B2B, we continue to follow and and make sure that, okay, when is how is that closing? And we're always asking, like, how did that do? Where what are you, you know, how did this lead do? Where are we with this person? And we start to get really intimate with our leads because we need to understand that we are eventually producing revenue for the company because then we know we back up into those numbers, right? And then we can say, hey, last quarter, this is how much dollars we we generated, not how many leads. These are the actual, this is how much your company grew from us doing that. And of course, sometimes they'll be like, oh, well, my salesperson was the one that, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, but it started here. And we checked up on it and we made sure that that closed. Have you ever had uh, tension? Because I, I know, I mean, this is like the the age-old uh, battle is, uh, is it marketing or is it sales, right? The, yeah. the, the, the marketing people are like, hey, we're throwing you guys leads. And the sales people are like, yeah, but I don't, I'm not getting the... The good leads, right? Or like, you know, it's it's these people don't know what they're they're talking about when they come in, right? They don't really know who we are, right? Uh, yeah. But I think that there's always that that tension between marketing and sales. How have you? Uh, and I know that's something that a lot of agency owners that are doing marketing struggle with is how far do they follow the work? I mean, are they going in and actually helping their clients implement sales process systems and things like that, which I know can be challenging or outside their area of expertise? Uh, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so we haven't, I mean, we haven't implemented uh, sales systems. We make recommendations. I think when we start to make recommendations on the sales process per se, that's when we get pushback. That's when the sales team is like, you know, you're now you're stepping on our toes 
they don't mind sharing the data with us. They don't mind letting us in, you know, behind the curtain because I think we've come to a place where with all of these different CRMs, like a Soho, like a Salesforce or, you know, what have you, everybody has access, right? Like that's the point. So it's more of us being able to help. If we come from a from a service, like we're serving you and we're here to help you close that lead. I honestly haven't had any pushback yet, knock on wood, but there are times where we'll make recommendations or, you know, like we know like ourselves because since we're going through all the the salespeople, like we know who's the better salesperson, but I never say, I would never say anything to, you know, my client. Like I would never, yeah, I just try to be really smart about my approach, but I always know. I like, I know for my clients, who's their best top salesperson. Even if you look at the numbers and they may be producing equally, but I know who's like the most organized, has the best notes, is following up frequently. You know, like I know these things because I'm not myself, but like my team and we discuss it. But you know, like you just have to obviously be smart. You know, I don't want to make somebody mad and then lose that opportunity. And then at the end of the day, when the quarter's over, I have no idea how much revenue we we drove. So I have nothing to pull at when, you know, to have that conversation and to say, hey, this is how much we're driving. Like, you know, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's present this program. Let's increase our retainer. Like I have, I have nothing. I don't have any leverage. Yeah. Well, I think that's really insightful of just making sure that you're presenting those, the data on a regular basis, but also following the data through the outcome that the client really is after. Whether or not you're involved in that part of the process or not, it's relevant and it becomes part of that case for retention, which is what your clients are after. They're going to, you know, and, and I like that you mentioned kind of two things that we talk a lot about in our, our community, which is, is clients will stay if they're getting results and if they have a, a good relationship with you. And I think two of those things that you shared with us today around being available for your clients, I think is strong in the relationship component. And then the analytics and the numbers of like, hey, you hired us to get you this and hey, we got you this kind of thing is obviously a, a good recipe for clients staying with you for a long time, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And then it really is. And I think the available part and the customer service really comes on the onset, right? Because it takes a while. It takes a while to get into that cadence where you are generating leads and you are generating sales and you understand the numbers and you you can really, you know, you're comfortable enough to ask because we don't ask right away. It, that's another thing I, you know, if anybody's listening and is like, oh, maybe I should go to ask like, my new client, like, Hey, can I have access to your Salesforce? Like we take our time. Like that's not a right. And you know, like that's a, like a few months in and Mm. we're starting to show results. Like we don't do it off the bat because again, it's just being smart and feeling people out. Like you, you know, you're dating, like you you don't (laughs) scare anyone. I'd be like, why do you want to look at the, you know, that's, it's just, it, it seems really intrusive. Right. But as you get to know someone, you're like, oh, this person is here to help and serve me. So anything I can do to help them serve, my pleasure. But so, so, so asking somebody on a, on a first date, uh, if you can see their bank account is like a weird thing. Is that kind of... Yeah, totally <laughs> weird. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, Anna, this has been a super fascinating conversation. I think just to get a kind of update, a, a download from from you and, and about your story and your uh, success that you've been having and congrats that things are going well Thank for you, you and your, your team right now. It sounds like you've got a strong foundation and good principles and values, which uh, is uh, if, they, if they were relevant before crisis, they're probably still relevant during crisis. So it's good that you have that sound 
foundation for your business. Congrats on what you've built. Are you ready for our lightning round? Sure. What is the best advice you've ever received? (sighs) Never give up, honestly. Yeah. I know that's so cheesy, but it really is. um, I've given up on a few things before when I was younger and didn't have the tenacity that I do now. And they've been one of my biggest regrets. So like if something like if you got a fire in your belly to do something, you know, no matter what, keep moving because like life will open up the path. I know I can. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I, uh, I, I have, uh, I, that has been on more than one show recently. So it's a good mantra, I think for, for right now, for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Oh my gosh. My morning routine. Absolutely. Hands down. It changed my life. I have a friend. I don't have you ever read The Miracle Morning? I have it, but have not read it. Uh, oh my gosh, so good. You should read it. So I have a friend who also runs an agency, and he's like, so I I mean, everything is measured. I mean, he's just like, he's just like the most exceptional human being. And he said to me, he's like, you know, this book changed my life. I'm like, well, if you change your life, then I'm reading. And honestly, it really did. And I've adapted it and changed my morning routine, you know, to look more to what suits me than from what the author did. I did follow for a long time for about a year, but it has completely, completely changed my life. Can you share an internet resource or tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? I mean, The Miracle Morning, definitely the book is amazing. An app, Insight Timer for meditating. And even if like it's not for whatever, it's just like that's that quiet time. It's such a great download time for ideas and it's free. Um, I'm trying to think. As far as apps, I would say those are the two that I use. And then everything else is like journaling and, you know, exercise. Exercise is so important to just get like your brain moving. And But I would say The Miracle Morning is such a great book. Well, that was our, that's usually our last lightning round question of what book you recommend and why. So we'll include that uh, Miracle Morning as your, uh, as your book recommendation, unless you had another one that you wanted to bring up. But that would be, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's come up on our show before. So I uh, definitely want to encourage readers to check that out. Uh, as well. Yeah. You know, what's another one good. Oh my gosh. I read a lot. I think reading is high performance, high performance habits is really good by Brendan Bouchard. It's a phenomenal book too. If you know, for anyone running any, you know, people who like really discipline is just, it's really important, I think too, to be successful. So those are two books that really help to emphasize and um, talk a lot about being disciplined and having routines. Awesome. Well, we will link out to Miracle Morning, High Performance Habits, and all your other takeaways and insights at our show notes. Check those out, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. You'll see Anna's episode right up there at the top if you're listening to this week of. Anna, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Uh, you know, just our website, simplifiedimpact.com. We have everything there and, you know, they can follow and just reach out to us if they have any questions and what have you. Um, one of the things that we're doing right now with small businesses that are trying to go from offline to online is just offering free consultations, like 20 minutes just to sit down and like do like a rapid fire, like do this, this, this and that, you know? So if they wanted to reach out to us for that, that would be great. And just find us through our website. Sweet. Well, we will link out to your website and all that good stuff on those that show notes page, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. You can always find all of our great info on our guests and our show at that URL. Anna, thanks so much for stopping by the program today. 
Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. You're welcome. And uh, that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out today, I want to check on your answer to my questions from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead gen problem. Maybe it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or mobile app but they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, I want to invite you to apply for a free agency freedom session where you can dig into those underlying issues in your business and get moving like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answer to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your agency freedom session today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.